Hello and welcome to the Spooky Shelf Podcast. I am your host, Joe DiCaro. In this podcast, we explore the horror movies which make up my guest's perfect DVD shelf. With all the streaming services available to us, I wanted to give my guests the opportunity to curate their ultimate horror DVD shelf with 13 titles which stand out to them as the best the genre has to offer. Today, we're putting up the spooky shelf of Tony Ware. Tony, along with his friend Mickey, runs the horror account Scared of Horror, and he was one of the first people to really respond enthusiastically about the spooky shelf. This is also the very first spooky shelf I ever recorded, and it was before I properly sorted out my microphone, so the audio's a little funky, but the chat is still wicked. Remember to subscribe to the spooky shelf so you can keep up to date with more guests from the online horror community. I've got some really incredible guests coming up, so you really want to keep an eye on this. So, without further ado, let's go and put up a spooky shelf with Tony Ware. Tony, how are you today? You alright? Hi, yeah, good Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm quite excited about this. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might be. Yeah, no, it's my absolute pleasure. So, (laughs) Tony, what we'll do is we're going to get started on building your shelf. Sure. The first question that I have for you, the first DVD, Blu-ray, Betamax, VHS, Laserdisc, whatever it is you want to go on it. What is the very first horror film you ever saw? So my first horror film I ever saw was Scanners my when I was God. 10 on Betamax. <laughs> That's which my mother hired God. out from the local video shop for me. It was the first video we ever hired out and watched Scanners. And I think that's kind of where my like love of horror comes from because scanners isn't the best film ever i don't want it on my video shelf so we actually followed it up really quickly with dawn of the dead the 1978 dawn of the dead uh, which also featured an exploding head within the first 20 minutes and also featured a nice bit of flesh munching that's which... the f- whenever I, the, the first thing i think of with dawn of the dead before anything else it's the chap who takes a lump out of the, the lady's yeah, shoulder out of the just, it's lady's so... shoulder Oh, it's really and, I, I, it's shit word, but, you know, yeah. visceral and just the, the, yeah, the way he I mean, just sort of pulls it out with his teeth. Exactly. exactly. And it's just, I don't know, like as a, I don't know, as a kid, it's just like, what, what am I seeing? <laughs> like, I didn't know this was what horror films had in them. Yeah. So I think for me, like really Dawn of the Dead was the one that solidified my kind of horror thing scanner started it but dawn of the dead which was the second film i saw really like solidified my whole this is this is what i i like this this is great i tell you what we'll do we'll do it in a little sort of double pack if you like it can be one of those twin yeah yeah all right you get. so you got oh well, these yeah, the nice the, cheap ones yeah that you know exactly the ones i'm referring to the ones yeah yeah two yeah discs yeah well <laughs> scanners on one side you turn it around and flip it upside down dawn of the dead on the other yeah, side dawn yeah. on the other very yeah. welcome addition to your shelf okay so the, the second volume I'm going to ask you for then, Tony, what film scared you the most? I mean, there's a, there's a few. And again, it's a bit of a case of which one do I want on my shelf because I want to work better to watch it. The film that scares me the most is The Babadook to the extent that I can't have it in the house. <laughs> really? What, the, 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 the actual physical DVD, you can't have it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I bought the DVD, like, so... Uh, so Mickey, who I do the Instagram with, she'd seen it. I was like, you have to see this film. So watched it one morning because I have to watch these sort of films in the morning. <laughs> and it's, it's, I can't deal with it. It's horrendous. The first 45 minutes of The Babadook is, is just one of the most frightening things I've ever seen. It's intense. It's just, 
it's too much for me. I can't, can't really deal with it. So I had the DVD. I got rid of the DVD almost immediately to a, a, to a friend. And then a few years later, a nice friend of mine made me a Babadook Christmas card. Oh, I bet that which, really, really um, messed with your head. Yeah, I had to take it out of the bin. I actually threw it in, in the bin and then had to take it out of the bin and put it in the bin in the street. Oh, my God. And then God. spend the next few days worrying that it might come back. <laughs> <laughs> so was it a case of so, then, like, not sleeping, nightmares when you did sleep? Was it all that sort of... Or was it just... don't get nightmares. It's just, it's just too much. Yeah, it's just I can't, like, actually deal with it while I'm watching it. Yeah, and it makes me not want to watch it again. Sure, I've had that with Carrie and Hereditary, or the other kind of two in the same boat. Although I have watched Carrie recently, and it's amazing, and I can deal with it. So the one I want to put in is The Exorcist. Oh, so we're not—we're actually not going down the line of the. Babadook. No, 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 no. Because okay. I obviously because you can't. You know, have I'm not going to watch. The, I'm not going to watch the Babadook. So <laughs> fantastic. Okay, so talk us through the the bit that um, scares you the most in The Exorcist, then. So, I mean, the thing with The Exorcist is, as a, again, as a kid, I was watching this on bootleg VHSs with no problems at all. Like, not a problem. Watched it many, many times. Love that film. It is a fantastic movie. When it got released at the cinema in, what, 98, I think it was, when it got re-released, when James Furman lifted, when he, he left and they lifted the ban on it, went to see it with a bunch of buds at the local cinema, and the lady next to me, who wasn't someone I knew, had a seizure during the bit where Reagan's in the hospital, which I think is the oh. most frightening part of the film. The cinema kept playing the film and there was everyone was panicking. They got her out of the seat, dealt with her. But it just because it happened in the bit that I find the most frightening, which is the hospital section. Yeah. Because yeah. don't that is just it's so intense that that section and the way that it's been it's done it's it's obviously very realistic they've got actual doctors in it and i i mean some of the effects in that i don't know if they were doing really real stuff to poor old linda blair or not but how she dealt with it i don't know but it put me off watching the exorcist for about 20 years yeah i'm not surprised was the was the lady okay or i think she was yeah she was in the end yeah like she was, she was fine and obviously they took her out you know I mean this was like 98 so I just just absolutely floored me and I yeah I've literally watched it I think I watched it last year in lockdown or the year before whenever lockdown was yeah Um, it it all blurs into one doesn't it yeah I I sort of I sort of warned my flatmate I was going to rewatch The Exorcist and it's fine like I think it's brilliant like it's, it's just one of the best films it it really is Edgar Wright says something about The Exorcist which I hadn't actually you know, it hadn't occurred to me before. He said that one of the key things about The Exorcist is because the priest, they want to save, and everybody downstairs wants to save Reagan, they have to make the journey up the stairs and go through the door to face the monster. It's not yeah. that the monster's coming after you. You have to go yeah. to it, which I thought that yeah. was in- incredible, a bit of insight. I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. right knows a thing or two about it's, films. but <laughs> It's always that room and, like, the, I mean, the, even the door, like, freaks me out when they when they get towards the door it's just it's frightening but I honestly think it's you know having rewatched it quite recently it it doesn't scare me quite as much anymore and um I can probably I'm watching the documentary right now the 25 years is on iPlayer I'm watching that at the moment not a problem (laughs) (laughs) but yeah The Exorcist has to go in as as probably the film that scared me the most I think oh good well yeah no it's an absolute classic so yeah so we're we're gonna add The Exorcist to your shelf then Tony that's absolutely no problem with that (laughs) excellent Uh, so your third disc then 
your favourite slasher movie? What's your favourite slasher, Tony? Right, so this, I took a lot of thought on this one because I'm not massive on slasher films. They're fine. I enjoy them. But it was trying to pick one. And there's only one that really, like, leaps out. And that's Scream. The first Scream. Which I would say kind of reinvigorated my horror sort of obsession around about when it came out which was what 90 96 6 97 i think it was I knew nothing about it a friend of mine from work just dragged me to the cinema to see it i mean it wasn't a big cinema goer then and i was so like wowed by it i totally missed that it was actually funny i had to go to see it again hmm. oh it is actually funny because <laughs> it's it's quite terrifying in places especially the opening sequence but i, I think like scream just it just completely re- sort of sort of reignited my love for horror. Plus the fact it's a Wes Craven film. You know, the first film I saw in the cinema was the first horror film I saw in the cinema was Dream Warriors. I know Fantastic. that's not Wes Craven, but obviously not many Elm Street's Wes Craven. And then going back even further, again, this is back to the whole video element. One of the earliest films I saw, which I really shouldn't have seen, was Last House on the Left. Oh, I was worried you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean <laughs> You know, as a 13-year-old, I shouldn't have been watching that, really. Definitely not. uh, You've got to hand it to Wes Craven, isn't it? To to sort of redefine a genre once is a hell of an achievement. But to do it three or four times, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely love him. I just think he's he's, he's a great film director. He seems like a really nice chap, or seemed like a really nice chap. And it's so sad that he's not around anymore, really. I, I wonder what he would have continue to do you know what a scream actually for a film called scream i think for my money it features possibly the best scream ever recorded on film was when drew barrymore's mum and she lets out that scream this oh my god yeah it's incredible okay screams being added to your shelf tony so awesome um, your next dvd video whatever it is you want it to be uh i'm after your favorite ghost or your haunting horror now you did give me a little warning that Little caveat, this isn't too much of a, a favourite genre. not my yours. biggest genre. I'm not good with ghosts. Uh-huh. I, don't believe, I, I don't believe in ghosts, but paranormal films just get me the wrong way. I, mm. I don't like them. I can't. It's too much. Like, I mean, Paranormal Activity, for example, is one of those films. I just I cannot watch it. I remember catching it on TV a few years ago. And it was a bit where nothing happened for five minutes. And I was just usually like, I'm turning this off. <laughs> like, I can't, can't deal it. It's too much. It's things like The Orphanage. Like, I really love The Orphanage. Mm-hmm. I think that's like an amazing movie. Yeah. So the film I picked was film Oculus. Oh, Oculus, oh, yeah. Hey. Is that the Mike Flanagan? Mike Flanagan, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, okay, um, so Oculus is going on there. It's the... I don't uh, know... It's The Haunted Mirror. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I I saw that last Um, year, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. See, I I went to the cinema to see that. I I absolutely loved that. And I think what was fun was that the trailer was completely different to what the film actually was. It gave Mm. the wrong impression completely. And it's not like a bang, jump scare, bang, jump scare film. It's a lot more going on than that. Is it Ghosts? I can't really remember. It's A Haunted Mirror. And there's a lot of going backwards and forwards in time. Yeah, between them as kids and them now, and the way that's handled is really, really clever because they're not. There's no kind of like 
mad flashbacks they just fade in and out of each other so the kids will appear around the corner and then you're in the kids section mm. and then the adults will appear and then you're into the adult section again so there's no kind of weird fading into flashbacks and stuff i mean i think mike fanagan's a, a really brilliant film director he's killing it with practically everything he's done yeah he's he's i think for for my money right now I think he's the most mm. interested. I mean, maybe you could argue that Ari Aster could go up against him or maybe Robert Eggers, but for my money, yeah. for good popcorn horror, I don't think yeah. anyone's better than Mike Flanagan. I've been following him since like, since Absentia, the first one, which that's a creepy little movie, if you haven't seen Absentia. I have very cheap. They I'll crowdfunded it. It's, yeah, that got under my skin a little bit. Yeah, But like everything he's done, and I think so, there's some things he's done I didn't even realise he did. Like yes. Gerald's Game, for example. I didn't even know. I was just like, oh, Gerald's Game's on Netflix. And it's like, oh, it's Mike Fanagan. And yeah, he's he's brilliant. I mean, Doctor Sleep, I put off watching that for ages because I'm not a massive Shining fan. And that just blew me away. Mm. The, like, uh... he's, he, he, I think you're absolutely right. He's like a proper big mainstream horror director. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's yet to put a, a, a foot wrong, I think. I, th- I think I'd agree with you on that one, actually. And Gerald's Game, when that came out, I think it got caught up in the... There was sort of a, a boom of sort of lesser Stephen King adaptations that didn't quite mm. hit the mark. And I think it kind of got grouped in with those. But it has a real sense of, like, independent tone. It really stands out. If you give it the time, give it the what, It's yeah, yeah. so creepy. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and quite horrific. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the 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 Midnight Man. That oh. one actually did give. I don't get nightmares very often, but that one did. And one of his other, so yeah. Haunting of Hill House gave me nightmares as well. And I, it's fantastic. So, okay, so yeah, Oculus... I'm never going to watch that. <laughs> it's a shame you're missing out. It is fantastic. We'll add we'll add Oculus onto your shelf for you then, Tony. So then moving on. To, this is the one box set I'm going to allow you. So, do you have a favorite right. horror TV show? I do, and that is the Hammer House of Horror from the 80s excellent choice again something i probably should have been watching when i was about 13 14 but we used to watch it on a saturday night stay up and watch that i wouldn't say it's all brilliant it's like i think it's like 13 episodes it's about 50 50 for me Mm. but the ones that are great are absolutely brilliant some of them again i can't watch like there's an episode called growing pains which is about a family that adopt a child and there's lots of like rabbits being killed and a scary diary and things like that. And the, the new kid keeps seeing the old kid as a ghost. And whoa, that's, that's just horrendous. You got like how the, the, the house that bled to death, which is the one where, which is the fake horror where they've got like all the arms and legs in the free in the freezer and the blood coming out the pipes on the birthday cake. I, lo- I think it's a brilliant, brilliant series. And the stuff in it that's, that's good is is absolutely brilliant. Is it is it like an anthology series? I've not actually seen it myself. I've been aware. Yeah, of, so they're all separate. Cameras. Yeah, yeah, they're all separate stories. I said there's like thirteen of them, and there's you know they're they're all just completely different. But it's it's great. I'm, it's I'm definitely worth watching all of them. To be honest, I, I think you've convinced me. So Hammer House of Horror, <laughs> yeah. your box set's going up on the shelf, Tony. Okay, so brilliant. My next one, I've actually written down. What I, I'm, I'm predicting what your answer is going to be. So I've written okay. down here what I think your answer is going to be. So the next film, I would like to know which horror movie contains your favourite <sighs> jump scare. I've I know written... what you're going to say. Okay. 
Go on. But it's not my favourite jump scare. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're going to say The Exorcist 3, aren't you? I'm just going to very quickly hold this up to the camera. Yeah, I've there you go. There. Exorcist, Exorcist 3. 3. I mean, that is like a masterclass in how to do a jump scare. But no, my favourite jump scare is the reveal of the crawlers in The Descent. <gasps> Excellent. What a, because, what a shout, Tony. That's fantastic. I mean... I've watched The Descent recently. I'm a little bit claustrophobic. And I've seen that film a good a good few times, I would say, over the years. And I would say that the first half, with all the kind of crawling around the little tunnels and things, is the stuff that really gets to me in The Descent. Mm. Once the crawlers appear and it turns into like a monster horror, it all gets a bit sort of nonstop and a bit mad. But the the slow kind of people being stuck in tiny cracks and tiny tunnels and stuff is horrendous. It's so yeah. well done as well. And the weird thing is, having watched it sort of maybe 10, 12 times, I'm still getting that when I watch yeah. it. And I watched it the other day and I'm still sitting there squirming. There's a bit where one of the girls gets stuck in a tunnel and it's just, it's horrendous. By the time the crawlers appear, you've, it's, it's almost, almost like you've had enough. <laughs> yeah, and it is when that camera spins round, oh my God. And he's just there so, in yeah, the night was... vision over their shoulder. It's yeah, fantastic. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you... that that would be my my favourite jump scare. So, yeah, the, the Descent's been added to your shelf, Tony. It's a welcome addition. It's a fantastic film. So move on now to your seventh disc. Which horror movie had the most emotional effect on you, Tony? Right, okay. So again, this is a bit like the ghost element. I, I find, for me, it's quite difficult to pick out what has an effect on me like that it's mainly because if you obviously you look at my instagram you'll see, you'll see how i describe films i describe very films very face value very quick i'm not good with the words that's 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 my kind of angle on this and mickey who i did instagram with she's the one who's very very good picking that sort of stuff out and tends to be affected a bit more by by things what tends to happen is when we watch a new film or we watch a film together I tend to just try not to think too much about it because if I start thinking about it I lose the my train of thought within the film I just want it to wash over me mm -hmm. to the extent that I sometimes have to ask her what happened <laughs> which has happened a few times so that being said there's I found it quite difficult to, to pick one that's had a really big emotional effect on me um Again, I've already mentioned the orphanage. I think the orphanage is is like a devastating. I wouldn't say it's particularly scary, but it is devastating and it is like really sad. And you know, that poor little kid with his little bag on his head, like it's just <laughs> it's it's really sad. But then I was sort of thinking about what does emotional mean? Is it to do with being happy? Is it to do with being sad? Is it to just being affected generally? So I was thinking, martyrs. Martyrs, is that something that would be emotional? You've got like the two girls and kind of their relationship. And obviously Anna doesn't really know what Lucy's doing. And there's quite a lot going on there. And Anna just wants to help everyone. And Lucy's trying to kill everybody. And then there's the whole latter third, mm -hmm. which again, I just don't, I can't really talk about that. I, I don't have it in me to discuss it. So going down that route, I did get to a film. And the film I picked is The Girl Next Door. Not the 80s, not, not the 90s uh, porn yeah. 
star at a school. I was going to say, I think you've misunderstood the brief here. <laughs> no, so it's a film called The Girl Next Door. Uh-huh. It is based on a true story. I don't it think I've seen this. by a guy called Gregory M. Wilson. And basically, so there's, there's already a film out around the same time called, it's called An American Crime. And that is actually based on the, the real yeah. story. A Girl Next Door is kind of like a version of that fictionalized version. So it's, it's based on the Sylvia Likens case from the 60s, where this poor girl has been, and her sister has been left behind by her horrible parents and is being looked after by a psychotic neighbor and her horrible children. It is, yeah, it's, it's horrendous. It is gruesome, it's gory, it is violent, sad, depressing just there's nothing good about it whatsoever it just gets worse and worse and worse and that film just it kills me every time Mm. I watch it it's just it's because it makes me so angry that someone would be able to just do the things they were doing to this poor girl who didn't really do didn't you know didn't do anything yeah to warrant being treated the way she was she was treated but yeah I've seen the girl next door more than I've seen an American crime American crime's a bit more kind of straight down the line, I think, and a bit more, it's not really like a TV show of the week, but it's, it's. Um, I mean, it's not less disturbing because obviously the story's <laughs> horrendous, but I think The Girl Next Door is, because it's obviously based on it, it's, it's more fictionalised and whatnot. It just has that, it's just horrendous. Yeah, we don't have yeah. to dwell on it for t- for too long at all. Yeah, it's just that I really, really did appreciate how you interpreted the question though, from going, well, yeah, could it be, you know, I I felt really happy after watching this because I had a good time with it, or you know, the martyrs. But no, that okay, that sounds great. So is the girl next door? That's going on the shelf, but that's going on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So let's move on from from that one. I want to know what your best experience with a horror film in the cinema was, Tony. I would say without question of a doubt, it's the Blair Witch Project. Again, I mean, obviously when that came out, so that was 99, I guess, I'd seen a clip of someone on some film TV show absolutely freaking out when they came out of seeing it, like it was a, some presenter. Mm. And I was just like, oh, that sounds good. Scariest film ever. All right, I'll go and see that. Didn't really know anything about it, went in pretty blind. And I took my cinema going buddy at the time, she did not like horror films at all. And yeah, we went to see that. And I would say it's one of the intensest cinema experience I've ever had. There's like no jump scares in that film. And by the time you get to the end, you've had no release whatsoever. Mm. And it's just like, where does this energy go that's been built up for the last what, hour and a quarter or whatever. It's not very long, is it? No. Um, and I remember us going to the pub afterwards and not being able to speak, like, for about two hours. It, it, it took us a while to kind of sort of process it. I mean, she was completely freaked out because she didn't like horror films at all. She used to come along just for a laugh to kind of keep me company. But I, I don't think I, I, like, appreciated how, like, scary it was going to be seeing it back then. And, you know, one of the first found footage films I'd ever seen, I think. Yeah. So that that's my... That's my favourite cinema experience, I think. I think, I mean, like, you, you say you're not very good with words, Tony, but I think you've just articulated something about the Blair Witch Project that I've been trying to find the words for myself. Is okay. The fact that it's this ever-increasing build of tension yep. without yep. 
without letting you letting it go yeah. without letting that energy dissipate so yeah. i think that's why it's so effective i must say having watched it recently i do find it quite funny i think i can see back in the day when they were doing this they were obviously a bit sort of worried about silence and dead air when they were filming it so they blatantly told heather to just keep talking <laughs> and watching it recently i still think it's amazing i think it stands up but there are times when you're like you need to stop talking now heather you don't mm. don't need to be be talking quite so much it's quite bonkers how how much she's just for breath yeah once. i guess that's probably in the, in the increase that like, as we've gotten more and more comfortable and more and more yeah. used to the idea of you know streaming or anything like that long form conversation like this like a podcast there's going to be little dips in it and i think we're all used mm. to that now so you're probably yeah. right in, back in 1999 yeah. they were thinking it can't just be silence, but really you could argue that that could have made it quite effective if there was just yeah, yeah. for a portion, the sound just cut. Yeah. Although they do have the, there's the 16 mil camera they cut to, doesn't it? It doesn't have sound, but then you get the audio oh, that's right. from the other yeah, camera. The audio that's from the other camera. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. So the Blair Witch Project is going up on your shelf for your ninth DVD. I want to know what's the most underrated horror film. Tony? Oh God. So this is what I always find this really hard. Like, is underrated the same as guilty pleasure? You can inter- and, if you, you tell and, me either way, I don't mind. The, the, I've an issue with guilty pleasure because I don't really feel guilty about any of the weird shit that I like or Correct. crap music I listen to, you know? I like it, I don't yep. care. So went through a massive list. I've got a massive list of underrated horrors, but the one I've picked is Assassination Nation. <laughs> Smashing. Which we saw at Celluloid Screams about three or four years ago. And I just came out of that screening just like, yes, like, <laughs> it's, they just, it's good fun. The guy's it? got it. It's, yeah, yeah, brilliant. It's, it's really good fun, that film. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I just think, like, I remember, because it's, it's sort of in a film of two halves, really. I mean, the build-up's great and all the mad, horrible shit that's going on. But when, like, she smacks the guy with the spade halfway through, I mean, the whole cinema, like, just shouted, like, yes like screamed out and I just oh right here we go and then obviously (laughs) the film flips and then it just goes completely complete chaos Mm. and there's pretty sure it's Judd Apatow's daughter I think it is yeah batters yeah batters a cheerleader with a baseball bat and yeah it's it's a cracking movie I love it and it's also utterly ridiculous I think I think when the girls put their like red raincoats on at the end and just all march out with all their bloody uses and baseball bats and stuff. It, it, it sort of goes from being something that was quite realistic to being something that's just completely over the top. Um, yeah. Yeah, very. And I don't see a lot of people talking about it. And I mention it a lot. It is, it's a smashing people. one. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great choice, actually. You're right. You, you don't hear loads about it, but it's, yeah, it's really good fun. <laughs> okay assassination nation that's going up on the shelf as well what's the the last film that scared you then Tony? right okay so i had to uh to speak to my you know archivist mickey about this because i couldn't really think of any there, there has been a few but i would to actual proper proper scare as opposed to just having a moment and then once the film's finished it's all over it's the autopsy of jane doe Oh, which I watched. I've seen that twice. It still gives me the total heebie-jeebies, that film. Like, it's so well done. And I don't know whether it's the fact that they're just in this 
they're stuck in a basement in that grim autopsy room they're slowly like pulling this poor woman apart to find out all these different things that have happened to her you've got there's a witchy element there's a ghosty element there's a zombie element there's the tinkly bell that just gets you there's people being killed by accident you know it's just there's a lot going on in that film and I remember seeing I saw it at Celluloid Screams again about five years ago up in Sheffield and it was a secret film we didn't know it was going to be shown and I remember coming out of it and we're just like that was just ridiculous and it still gives me the creeps it's the the puzzle box element of it as well that's Mm. really really compelling like the fact they're pulling little clues out of her yeah right just it's phenomenal. I really that is so, yeah, a, a properly yes. good shout for that. I don't know how much of a, of a gamer you are, Tony. There's an autopsy style game. I think it's very heavily influenced by Autopsy. Agenda, no, though. really. Yeah, no. You should have a have a little search for that after this. It's it's incredible. It's oh, like, I'll have a look. You pretty much are playing through Autopsy of Jane Doe, but it just looks terrifying. Oh, okay. I could. I absolutely couldn't Ooh. do it. Oh, okay. I'll have a look. Okay, autopsy of Jane Doe, definitely. Yep. This is this is a very impressive shelf you're collecting here. What? Oh, thank you. This one I'm looking forward to hearing. What's the best death or kill you've seen in a <laughs> horror movie? This took me so long. <laughs> There's to so work many out to choose from because I didn't want to go with a head exploding because we've done <laughs> that, and I tried to pick something different that we probably hadn't had yet, and also a film that we hadn't had yet. I've actually got two because. I can't really differentiate. They're both really horrendous. Although one I want the film in, the other one I don't because the film's dreadful. <laughs> so the one that I don't want is the silent circle in Saw 3D, which if you don't remember that, that is the girl with, she has a collar with four rods pointing at her neck. And if she makes a noise, the rods move and are going to pierce her throat to get her out there's a key on a fishing line in her stomach but it's got a hook on it and the guy who's going through the puzzles has got to pull out the hook with the key on and it's the way that he keeps stopping and then having to like yank it and when he yanks it a lot of blood flies out of her mouth and she screams and the rods get closer that I actually, I don't think I've actually completed Saw 3D. I don't think it's a good film. It's just, it's completely grim for grimness sake. And I think that's where I turned the film off. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that that's, one... I think that's the one Saw, for, actually, I haven't seen the Jigsaw. Yeah, I haven't seen Saw, Saw 3D, but it's the seventh uh, one. I mean, it's, it's, it's the seventh one, and it, yeah. I don't think it's it's that good. It's, as I said, it's just grim for grimness sake. But yeah, there's, yeah, it's called the Silent Circle Trap. I'm, I'm going to YouTube um, that after this. Though, it just, to it see just makes me, it makes me gag. It's it's <laughs> absolutely horrendous. It's so well done as well. Because you can understand that this fish hook's getting stuck in her esophagus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, so that's not going in. The one that is well, going in. Well, that as though, an honourable mention. But yeah, so what's going on the Honourable mention. The one that's going in, once I thought of it, I was just like, it's, absolutely. And it is the zombie flesh eaters eye poke. It's a hell of a splinter, isn't it? It's a hell of a splinter to catch yourself. It's the off. fact that this this zombie takes so long to stick it in her eye. Um, and again, this goes back to my Betamax days. Mm-hmm. And again, this was, I think we hired this after, you know, a few films after seeing Dawn of the Dead. So, like, oh, there's a, there's a second zombie film. Let's watch that. And I don't think I was prepared for it as an 11, 12-year-old. 
But that eye poke, I mean, it is so, the camera doesn't cut away. You're like, are they going to show it? Are they going to, sh- mm. oh yeah, they're going to show that. Yeah, and there you go. It doesn't give um, you the option. It doesn't say, oh yeah, no, no. It's just, don't worry. No, you no, know it's, it's, it's no, there. You're going straight through it, yeah. So yeah, I, that that's my best death, I would say. I mean, it is completely hokey and it's mm. utterly ridiculous. Like why, how does the zombie know the spikes there? And also, he takes ages to pull her to the spike. Why can't she get away? I don't understand why she can't get away. Mm. He's got her hair. I know that. But I mean, surely, anyway, it's, yeah, it's a bit daft. But the only real reason. Classic. Yeah, the only real reason is because Lucio Fulci wanted to poke someone. I was just going to say, it's (laughs) classic, classic Fulci as far as I'm concerned. And it just, yeah, I I do love that film. You know, again, as a kid, like zombie fighting a shark. Yeah, go for it. I mean, it's it's become sort of in our sort of circles. It's very iconic, isn't it? It's not necessarily cinematically iconic to, you know, normal people, if you like. What's not to love? Ice blitters and shark punching. Excellent. Punching. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Zombie Flesh Eaters is up on your shelf, Tony. And yeah, it's a it's a great shelf. So the ne- next one, your penultimate disc, I want to ask you for. I want one film oh. from your favourite horror director, please. I mean, this is easy. This is really easy. And I actually watched this the other day, having seen this many, 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 many times. And that is Videodrome by David Cronenberg. Fantastic. Incredible. So David Cronenberg is like probably my favorite film director pretty much love everything he's done i like what he does videodrome i don't know there's something about it it's it's one of those it's like a comfort horror for me i i'm quite happy to watch it i could watch it again you know when you've seen it two days ago i could quite mm. happily watch it again i love i mean it's got debbie harry in it for example i'm a massive blondie fan so again back when that came out i think i was 14 i think and i think my cousin had seen it and had kind of told me the whole plot so it was one of those films I was gagging to get hold of when it came out on, on Betamax or VHS or whatever it was. I've had it on every version of every format, you know, VHS, DVDs, you know, Betamaxes, God knows what. Yeah. And I've, I've got umpteen copies of it here. It's just absolutely brilliant. It's one of my favourite films. It's in my top three. I don't know if there's much I can get into considering how complicated and weird it is. I, yeah, I know there's a lot to... of there's a lot of people, when I've listened to podcasts about it, I, I find it weird how people find it so hard to, to fathom what's going on. I don't know if that's just because I've lived with it for so long that mm. it doesn't feel complicated to me anymore. The other thing with it as well is if you've seen Videodrome, Existence and Crimes of the Future, they've all pretty much got the same plot. <laughs> They're all pretty much rival iron scanners. So rival factions, if you like, going backwards and forwards against each other. And they all kind of follow the same sort of plot. It's something that obviously Cronenberg seems to enjoy doing, I think. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's easily it, Videodrome. It is funny you mention Existence because it's kind of, it occupies a weird space in my head in that it's like... <sighs> I find it difficult to recommend, but at the same time, I'm like, this is, it's, 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 I think it's, it's probably his most underrated, I'd say, because when you think Cronenberg, you think Videodrome, The Fly, The Fly, all that. Existence isn't very high on people's lists. I love that movie. When, 
Jude Law's building a gun out of bones and stuff. It's wicked. It's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is what I mean. It, it sort of has that weird. We're not in the real world element that Videodrome has. Now, I mean, Crimes of the Future doesn't really have that. I, I guess it's meant to be set in some kind of real world. But obviously, in Videodrome, he's going into these hallucinations that have been set off because of this Videodrome signal that he's been, you know, subjected to. And obviously, in Existens, they're going into the games, mm. you know, and once they're in the games, it doesn't matter. Like it's almost like all bets are off, really. Mm. And again, one of those films, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, like the beginning and the end kind of tie up the story, but while they're in in the game, it's just bonkers. nonsense. <laughs> really, it's bonkers. <laughs> and I mean, video drawing sort of has that. I think whenever he's hallucinating, it's just what mad shit can we do now? For example, when, so right at the end, Harlan, who's his pirate mate, who's sort of been working for the opposition, if you like, puts a tape in James Woods' stomach. And when he pulls his arm out, he's got a hand grenade attached to his arm. Like, who thought of that? Why did that happen? And then he explodes. (laughs) Now, that's obviously not happened. That's obviously all in James Woods' head. But yeah, it's it's so bonkers, and you know Debbie Harry's in it. <laughs> it's bonkers, and Debbie Harry, stick that on the poster. Get that on a special mm. edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And I think she's amazing, by the way. In it, I think like she's it's she's very typically her. She's even in Blondie, she kind of has this sort of wooden element to her, which is kind of what makes her so endearing. And I think she's the same in Videodrome. <laughs> she is quite wooden, but I think it works. Mm. because it's very Cronenberg. He likes, you know, his films are very matter of fact. They don't have a lot of kind of emoting or anything. And I think she's perfect as a Mm. Cronenberg actress, you know. There's a definite coldness to Cronenberg, isn't there? Yes, that's the They're quite frosty, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Videodrome's up on your shelf. Your last one, then. We've finally come to the end. We've we've put the screws in. It's on the wall. We're stacking the DVDs. It's time for the final disc, Tony. What is your favourite horror film from the last five years? I mean, this this is an easy one. You probably know this already as well. I was going to say, like, I absolutely loved Censor and I absolutely loved St Maud when they came out last year. Like, absolutely loved both those films. Mean a lot to me in different ways and the films I'm going to love for a long time. But the one that it's up there and it's in my top five is Midsummer from 2019 I'd already written it down and yeah yeah (laughs) I knew it was gonna be that one (laughs) and I don't know like yeah there's there's a lot to talk about on this film there's a lot you can say it's a breakup movie that turns into a folk horror movie it's like the Wicker Man times a thousand basically it follows the basic plot of the Wicker Man almost except without the songs it's extreme it's chaotic it's joyful in places i think it has a happy ending and invert it in quotes i I think it is Uh, and i just i mean i loved hereditary when i heard his second film was going to be a folk horror i love my folk horrors that doesn't actually come across in this list but i do love my folk horrors i was very excited about seeing this i kept away from it went in blind more or less all i knew was florence Pugh was in it Mm -hmm. And I remember like, the first time I saw it, literally coming out, being like, what on earth have I just watched? Because 
you get halfway through when when the guys jump off the cliff. Actually, it's not halfway, is it? It's probably about it a what, third, half hour. It? It's quite a long film. Yeah, though, quite. Yeah. yeah. So when the guys jump off the cliff, the Atlestoop, and that's pretty graphic. The Atlestoop, <laughs> it's pretty graphic. You know, he does like a head bit, a bit of head trauma. Does Ariaster? You're like, where's this gonna go? Like that is that is horrendous. Where can he go from from that? And it's almost like he, he, he doesn't bother. He just goes off in another complete tangent. And I wouldn't say it's particularly scary. I, I think it's it's complete chaos. It's 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 really like quite a stressful watch when you first see it. And I was I was laughing in parts, like whether that was like nervous laughing or actual laughing, like the the sex scene with the Christian. Is, is at both times disturbing, horrendous, and absolutely hilarious. Mm. The old um, woman that comes up and just gives him a little push at the same Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and then there's funny. a girl that comes down and starts singing at him, which is just <laughs> like... So I, t- I went to see it a second time about two days later at the cinema because I was like, I need to see this again, like, right now. And took one of my friends, again, another non-horror friend, who literally laughed at the top of his voice the whole way through it. It's, it's what he does. He, he does, like, a bit of a laugh in the cinema but that bit with the sex scene he was he was he just lost it lost his shit completely so yeah midsummer is up there i absolutely love that film like so much just the the final the final sequence where they just put him in a bear and burn him it's just become a bit of a thing me and my wife would just walk yeah. around the house and just say oh well, you know just put him in a bear and burn him put him in a bear and burn him <laughs> it's fantastic. yeah i just i think florence Pugh should have got an oscar for it I think she's stunning in it like just how she didn't I, I don't know how she coped with doing some of the things that she did the acting that she did because she really brings it mm. and like you really feel for her throughout the whole film especially with you know obviously she's dealing with Christian who's this awful awful boyfriend and all the other shit that's going on and I mean I don't know I think it's it's kind of in the cold light of day, it's quite apparent now that, and spoilers, if anybody hasn't seen it yet, I think it's fairly apparent that they know that she's going to be the May Queen, like from the very beginning. Like mm. it's, you know, Pele has picked her for a reason and it's not all chance. She's going to that thing because they've picked her, even to the extent that they're a little odd little hints mm. right at the beginning through the the bit that starts it all off that may or may not point to the whole film being set up from the word go. So and plus they're all on all on drugs for the whole film as well, which makes it quite fun. That's well that's that's the one downside for me, I think, because if if there's one word that's going to put me off a film straight away, it's the word psychedelic. You know, just anything that's... That's what I really... I fall off a cliff with quite a few Ben Wheatley things because of that, which is a real shame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, Midsummer is... Yeah, it's it's an incredible feat. Just the the amount that it gets through in its runtime is insane. Yeah, yeah. You've got the large horror, like the visceral horror that you mentioned of where they jump off the cliff. You've got this sense of foreboding, the dread, and then... What I found possibly more disturbing, it's just the little transgressions, the like microaggressions towards her when she says, 
oh, I thought we were doing this. And he goes, no, no, it's like this. We're doing it this oh, way. Don't. It's horrific. That's the, that so, is the worst part of it. Have you seen the director's cut of it? I'm not sure. I have the Blu-ray. I'm not sure which cut of it we actually... I don't know. I've only seen it the once. So. Hang on, hang on. Let me check. Let me check. The Blu-ray is the director's cut. Yeah. So... Because obviously it's a lot longer, and I think the problem, I think the reason why they they shrunk it, because I think the director's cut gives too much away. I think Pele more or less explains the plot in the first scene he's in, and you're right. like, oh, that's obvious. But Christian is horrendous, and it, I think it's a bit like we can't have him be that much of a dick, like <laughs> because he's awful. But there's a scene in it. So earlier on in the film, when they're all sitting down for dinner, like Florence Pugh walks up to him and hands him a flower. Just completely innocuous. Just hands him his flower, sits down, they'll start eating. If you're not paying attention, you'd, uh, you'd miss it. There's a whole scene on the director's cut where Christian basically berates her for giving him a flower to make him feel like shit. And he's like, just, he's like, because you gave me that flower, now I have to do something for you. And it's blah, 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 blah. And making her feel shit for just doing something that was a bit innocuous just mm. oh i found this flower here just you know nice there's something nice you know <laughs> and he's he's appalling in the director's cut so yeah i'm glad he gets sewn into a bear quite frankly because <laughs> it's the you know he deserves it he deserved it he deserved it <laughs> <laughs> fantastic tony thank you so much for for joining oh, me to, no to, thanks for having me to build your shelf my pleasure what i'm going to do i'm going to very quickly just read back through your shelf yeah. okay so we've got Starting from the top, the first horror film you saw was Scanners and Dawn of the Dead, sort of two-pack DVD collection yeah, yeah, is what yeah. we're going for. The From the scare to the most, we've then got, we're throwing the Babadook out into the street into a passing dust cart. Yeah, that, that can go away because that's too much. We're replacing it with a lovely copy of The Exorcist. That's yep. going next to Scream, Oculus, a box set of Hammer House of Horror. The Descent, The Girl Next Door, and we've also done the same with Martyrs and American Crime. We've just put them away just somewhere else, not on this show. The Blair Witch Project, Assassination Nation, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, Zombie Flesh Eaters, and throw in with an honourable mention to uh, Saw 3D. Maybe it's got a little advertising leaflet in the DVD for... Yeah, or one of those old, like, weird little Vestron video adverts used to get at the start (laughs) of the film. Yeah, all right, we'll put a little one of those in for you. No worries. (laughs) We've got... A lovely, it's going to be a special edition, this one, because you've got it so many times, a a copy of Videodrome. And then rounding us out, we have Midsummer. So that is, Tony, your spooky shelf. Fantastic I like my spooky shelf. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me on recording this. Where can people keep up with you, Tony? Because you've mentioned your Instagram a few times. Give us your handle. Yeah, so the Instagram is scared of horror, which is scared underscore of underscore horror. It's me and my friend Mickey. We basically just post what we're watching and don't say an awful lot about it. They're very much one-line reviews. They're very basic, very matter-of-fact. She's a bit more wordy than I am. It's been a really, really fun thing to do. We started it in lockdown. And, yeah, like anyone that that chats to us, we just chat back. We just like talking to horror fans, really, just meeting people and chatting about horror films. That's what, it's what it's makes the world go round. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Excellent, Tony. It makes me you. happy, you yeah. know, in a it, weird way. <laughs> no, of course. All the, the blood, the guts, the fear, the death. It's just, yeah. it's just so heartwarming. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tony. Cheers for doing this. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. That's brilliant.
Well, there you go. That was Tony Ware putting up his very own Spooky Shelf. What a lovely guy Tony is. Remember to subscribe to the Spooky Shelf wherever you get your pods. You can find me at Spooky Shelf Podcast on Instagram. Next week, I have another incredible guest who's coming along to put up their very own Spooky Shelf too. Thanks very much to Cosmic Nation for creating the incredible photography and artwork for this podcast. And, as ever, to Raul Coley and Mike Flanagan, who one day will be coming along to record their very own spooky shelves I'm sure I'll be back next week with another big old spooky shelf have a lovely week and see you next time bye bye